Thanks for joining us for today's podcast. This is us listening to myself, Jake Sanders, and my wife, Hannah, giving the Amplify Family Night talk about how to fight for your children, especially when it comes to social media. We hope you enjoy, and we hope this helps you help your kids to find and follow Jesus. All right, so uh, we got pulled in as kind of substitute um, teachers. Um, plan B, it's fine. Yeah, we're, we're plan B. Um, yeah, well, yeah, but then we changed everything, so... Um, but our names are Jake and Hannah Sanders. I'm the youth pastor here at New Hope. And what do you do? I'm a school counselor. I have a lot of your kids at school. Hi, <laughs> Mrs. Sanders. Uh, what school? Oh, Meadowview Elementary. Yeah. Um, and so we got a chance to talk, and this is something that um, we're really passionate about. Um, we're talking a little bit about social media, but we're also going a lot further than that. Um, so... I'm going to tell my own story. Um, I've been reading this book. It's called um, Faith, uh, Faith in Faith for Faith for Exiles, and it's the idea that uh, our generation, our kids, our kids' generation, is one of the first generations to be complete digital natives. From the moment they were born, they entered into a world that is completely digital, and just how to navigate that, how to teach them to follow Jesus in that, and. It's also interesting because uh, for most of us, our, our generation is the first generation that really embraced, whether you're a millennial or you're a young Gen Xer, um, what's most of us in this room, um, our generation is the first generation that really embraced technology as pretty wholeheartedly. So for us to raise a generation that is then completely raised in a digital world is very interesting. Um, so my own story involving kind of the perils of social media is it's really easy to stand up here and throw a lot of stats out at you. I could do it. I could talk about how the average age a child views porn is 11 years old. I could talk about kind of what kids are exposed to and all of that. But I want to share my story. And um, we're going to talk a lot about social media. And that's how I was first introduced to pornography was through MySpace. Um, and it wasn't on purpose, it was, and I was young, I was, I think I was 12, maybe really honestly 11 at the time, and it was something that kind of, not derailed, but it was something that I struggled with um, for a long, long time, it's honestly, I mean, it's something that I'm still careful of, I have things on my computer, I have accountability partners, that is still a factor, but the reason I bring it up is because I was introduced that through social media at the age of 12. And the world that I grew up in is so mild compared to the, the digital world that our kids are being exposed to. Um, it is so much more, so much more saturated. Saturated. It is so much more a part of society. That's my job. Uh, that's tonight. why she's up here. Um, I lose words every once in a while. She helps me find them. And so the, I like the idea of exiles because it brings up some, some truth about who we are. When I think of exiles, kind of biblically, the first one I think of is Daniel. Daniel was a man who lived his entire life more or less as an exile. He was ripped away from his hometown. He was ripped away from his people, and he was forced to serve in this kingdom that was not his. He, I mean, even thinking about the daily, the daily aspect of it, I mean, he was walking around in clothes that would have felt uncomfortable to him, um, clothes that wouldn't have felt normal. He had to get used to foreign smells. 
I remember going on a missions trip to Thailand and just, it was just different. Every time you walked out of the hotel, it was like, oh, this smells different. And he had to do that his entire life where it was just, this is not my home. He was constantly reminded of that. He was speaking another language that was not his tongue. And that never stops Daniel from his faith. There are so many things that go against him. It cost him. I mean, he was thrown in the lion's den and he kept following. He kept pursuing God. It cost him and his friends. There were a lot of schemes against them. But he fought for his faith. And I love that because the Bible makes it clear that this world is not our home. And as we start to see more and more bad things going on in this world, that becomes easier to accept. But the reality is, as long as we're Christians, that's always been true. John 4, James 4.4 4 says, Friendship is the, with the world is enmity with God. John 18.36 says that his kingdom is not of this world, or he would have already made his claim years ago. 1 John 2.15 tells us to not love the things of this world, because if we do, the love of the Father is not in us. Romans 12.2 commands us that we should not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Hebrews 11.6 is one of my favorite. It says that we have a better country, a heavenly country. And then Philippians 3.20 reminds us that we are, our citizenship is not on this earth. Our citizenship is not in America. Our citizenship is in heaven. But this is the passage I really want to draw us to, the one on the front of your booklet that says, it's 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12. It calls us sojourners and exiles. And we're called to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against our soul. As I was kind of preparing this and Hannah and I were talking about this, it felt kind of, I don't know, dramatic language. Yeah, I feel like a lot of times thinking about from a school counseling perspective, a lot of things that I see kids facing, it can feel like you're stuck or defeating and just remembering that there, like, there is a battle going on and that there is like what God calls us to do in that is intense and severe. Yeah, so there's severe language. We talk about Satan and adversary, but it is true. We are exiles. We've always been, but it is so much clearer now. Um, so we want to take about, talk about four steps that we can take in help in navigating, helping to navigate um, living in a digital ba Babylon, especially for our children. What can we do? And I think the first thing we can do is we can teach them to be aware of the fact that this is a foreign land. Mm -hmm. We get very complacent. We get very, it's very easy to get along with things. It's very easy to get used to the world. Um, it's comfortable. Do what your neighbor's doing. Yeah. Join the sports your neighbors yeah. are doing. And we talk about social media. I mean, everyone's on it and everyone knows it's bad and everyone takes breaks from it and proclaims loudly on Facebook. They're going to be off Facebook for the next month. Um, that's what we all do. It's just part of, it's so saturated. It's so part of our life. But um, we want to talk a little bit about that. I want to bring up um, some, some stats. 40% of, the, so this is a survey done in the UK, 40% of girls who spend five hours or more on social media, which sounds like a lot, but the reality is is not that far off of average um, because it, it adds up. It's here, it's there. 40% um, of them 
showed symptoms of depression. And then this one was really interesting to me. It, it showed lines of, or levels of loneliness in high schoolers in the UK. In 2000, levels were about 10%. 10% of 15 and 16 year olds said they had a high level of loneliness. In 2003, 9%. By 2012, it reached 15%. By 2000, sorry, by 2012, 15%. By 2015, 25%. And by 2018, 33% of high schoolers had felt loneliness. It's ironic that the generation that should be the most connected feels the most alone. And there's a lot of reasons for this. There's, um, there's a lot you could talk about when it comes to comparison or... Um, Just as an example of some things that happen on Instagram. So I used to be a middle school counselor. Now I'm second through fourth grade. Um, one of the trends that went around last year and the year before that is some kid, you would post a selfie and then the, the goal was that people would comment rate and then give you a number. So one through 10, um, or if you got a flame emoji, that was even better than a 10. So I'm scrolling through my school Instagram and I have kids who are getting like rate seven, rate six, which they're literally being told how, what their value is. And then some of the, sometimes it's rate zero or rate blank. So that's a voice that kids sixth grade through seventh and eighth grade were being told. And that's just one of the things that was happening. Um, Snapchat has a lot of things where you can like post a selfie and then have people, um, there's a box where you can fill out a comment or ask them anything, um, things like that. And I think, I don't wanna to go too far on this one. We're all kind of aware parents. We all know of the dangers of social media, but how do we fight it? How do we live in a world where we know social media is negative, but we know a lot of the TV out there is trash. We know all of these things. How do we deal with it? I mean, can we just shelter them away for 18 years? And then I would like ready to get rid of it? Snapchat. Is that an option? What? Get rid of Snapchat. Well, yes. I mean, <laughs> short of some uh, social media terrorism, let's, let's not go there. Let's not burn headquarters down. Um, so how do we do it? And I think from this book that I read and from our years dealing with high schoolers and middle schoolers struggling with these ideas, um, I think number one is we can show them and teach them who they are in Jesus. One of the biggest things that social media has done, one of the biggest changes it's made in culture is change their idea of identity. <clears throat> Our identity used to be something that was outside of ourselves. I am a mother, I am a father, I am a brother, I am a son. Um, family names used to carry a little more weight, especially when towns were a little bit smaller. I, I am a Sanders, that has meaning. And for this new generation, growing up in a digital age, your identity is so much more something you curate. And specifically, you curate for an audience. There's, there's a lot of, I interact with a lot of advertising things um, and whatnot on, on social media sites, and there's this idea that even as a human being, not as a business, not as an organization, but as a human being, I have to learn how to market myself, how to have my own brand, and that's something that is picked up really, really early on. And those ideas, that philosophy of 
how do I look best to a certain group of people? And so that's how marketing works, right? Is you figure out, okay, who's my target demographic? How do I make myself appeal to that demographic? That's what kids are doing in middle school and younger is, okay, who do I want to appeal to right now? I want to appeal to these kids. They love sports. They love ADM Tigers. They play basketball. That's what I do now is I play basketball. But that's what I do right there. When I'm somewhere else, when I'm at church and I want to be well-respected at church, I need to say all the right answers. And we live our lives so splintered that we begin to not have any idea who we really are. Going back to the story of the Instagram posts where students were commenting rate, um, one of my favorite moments in that is I had a student come in who was really upset about things she was seeing commented on other people's um, posts. And she said, I don't get why people get, are giving them numbers. Like, God doesn't even work in numbers. And she's like, I, you can't, like, give somebody a number. That's not how God works. And so she's like, I don't even know what I would comment if I wanted to tell them what God thought of them. And so it was cool to see a seventh grader realizing, like, this number system that the world had made up was pointless. And so reminding them that we're not of this world. That number system that your friends are using or whatever it is, is not the system that we're built to operate on. And this is also where we can do damage as parents as well, is unintentionally we can, instead of being loving encouragers, we can be another set of guidelines or another mark of perfection that we need to hit. And hey, my parents love me really, really well when I do good in school. My parents love me when I do awesome in basketball, so I need to excel at those things. And it becomes, again, it's not identity, it's not I love playing basketball, it's I play basketball so that my parents feel proud of me. And that becomes I play basketball so my parents praise me, so that my parents, so I feel loved by my parents. And so when we remove our identity from what we do and who we, and if, when we remove our identity from what we do and turn it to who we are, who we are in Jesus. And whose we are. And whose we are. Thank you. Uh, um, that changes everything. And one of the biggest ways we can do this is by being Jesus to them. Um, I want to read Ephesians 6. But I want to go to verses 10 through 13. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the whole armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. We keep going and he talks about, in addition to these, all the, the full armor, take the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. I think there's an idea and this is why some of our imagery, some of our words are, seem a little harsh is because exactly this. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. This is spiritual warfare that's happening. 
And sometimes we're ignorant of what darkness is out there, or we put our heads in the sand and want to be ignorant. But our kids' lives are sometimes like this, where there is so much darkness around them. And when their time comes, they need to learn to put on the armor of God themselves. We need to train them. We need to equip them to do that, to put on the helmet of salvation, to pick up their shield of faith, to correctly handle the sword of the word. But I think there's also an element as parents where we have to put our shield in front of them. And that's what we need to do is we need to put our faith in between them and the schemes of the devil and be Jesus to them. Some of the biggest lies that come out of social media is you'll never be enough. You'll never be good enough. I mean, if you, even if you think about it, if you think back to where you were at, if you had a high school record, that was, that was a pretty big deal. I mean, that was, that was a really big deal. If you had a, a state record, that was an even bigger deal. We're at the point now where the world is so big for our kids that no matter how well they do something, there is always someone who can do it better. No matter how attractive they feel, there's always someone out there who looks better. There's always someone. And so we become, we feel so worthless sometimes. We feel like we are not enough. Like we just can't do it. And that's why our identity in Jesus is so important. This is why being Jesus to our kids is so important. And I think we we have, you learn about God as a father from your parents. Um, the kids I know in youth group, at least that have struggled with the idea of God as a good father, have struggled with their relationship with their earthly father. Um, or the kids who really like can picture God as a comforting, loving um, caring father have a loving, comforting, caring father that they go to and they open up to. And so realizing that as parents, the way that we're showing them Jesus is how, how one day they will view him, God, as the father. And so we can talk about aspects of the father, things like unconditional love. Love, no matter what I do, no matter, and this is true, no matter what I do, God the Father will not love me any less. Can my son say the same thing of my love for him? Does he feel that? Does he know that? Does he even understand the concept of unconditional love? Because in social media, in the world, there is no unconditional love. There is love that is earned through skill, through whatever. But there's no unconditional love. The idea of grace of being able to make a mistake. Again, I'm not going to stand up here and be like, oh, cancel culture is terrible. Let's gripe about the world forever. But it's a very real thing. Right now in media, if you make a significant enough mistake, you are done. You're, you're just done. Your career is over. Do we have grace for our children? Because they're not going to understand grace from the world. Are we teaching it at home? Do they have a picture of grace that when we explain the grace of the Father, they can understand. But then the other thing is, we need to surround them with community. It is so important for our kids to have a faith community. Okay. <laughs> I can tell you one of my favorite things at school is that 
even if kids are not in the same friend group at school, they know who the other New Hope kids are. And they say, like, I can't wait to see you at family night, or um, just, like, fun things. Or if they'll have, like, an Eagle Lake sticker on their water bottle, or they know that's their church family. And What, what does Adrian yell if he sees leaving church? He yells a lot of things. Which one are you talking about? At church. About? So oh. our, our son, Adrian, is in first grade and doesn't know a stranger. Um, and if he, he sees someone from church, fairway, the middle of a prayer, like no matter what we're doing, he's like, hey, he is in my church. Yes. And just screams it out. And it's just so exciting to see them understand. And it's easy because he's in first grade and he has a rudimentary understanding of the first English language. But like that joy is so important and that's something this book was going into and something the Bible is so clear about is the Christian life. Christianity is a team sport. It is not something we do alone. Um, it is something we have to have other people around. It's important to have peers so that our, our, uh, our kids know, hey, I'm not the only one here. But it's also important to have intergenerational connections to say, hey, and that's, that's part of what we're trying to do with having some of these middle schoolers here helping. One of my favorite things I learned from Tim Canney and working with high school students is he'll ask a high schooler, like, who's somebody at church that you look up to? Like, who's an adult at church that you admire, you look up to? And they'll say, like, Dean Scott, or another common one is Peggy Scott. <laughs> um, and he'll be like, do you know what their grades were in high school? Do you know what their track record was? Do you know what any of these things that they are in high school so focused on having the best at? Like, what do you love about them? Why, why do you want to be like them? And it's because of the way they live out their faith. It's not because of the numbers that defined them when they were in high school. And so helping your kids start to see that picture, um, it's just cool to see that as teenagers, they see that in the adults that they're at church with. And that might be something you have to pursue of, hey, this is someone I really look up to. How can I get them involved in my, in my kid's life? That's something um, some of our friends have done for us is just, hey, we know you like us, we know you're in our life group and everything, but we want you to be wholeheartedly on our kids' teams. Mm -hmm. And that was a very blunt request. It was not a request we said yes to lightly, but it's something we were honored to be asked. Mm -hmm. So our third kind of step in our plan is we need to teach them how to recognize and resist the schemes of Satan. Um, 1 Peter 5.8 kind of goes along with that image up there on the screen. While he's finding that, um, this can, I feel like that point can be really intimidating, but just this morning... Joan and I got to school, um, and he sat down, and he looked really sad in my office. And usually, like, he'll play with my fidgets or whatever till he goes to breakfast. I'm like, what is, what is wrong? And because of conversations that Jake has had with him, he's like, I just get really, he's, well, in Spanish, he's like, you know the devil? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I just get really worried that I'm going to do bad things like I've done before, or I'm going to make a bad choice, or... And then he said, and then I'm worried that other bad things are going to happen and like dad's going to die like Mr. Corey died and just lots of different thoughts. But he knows because of conversations that Jake has had with him that 
he can go to Jesus for help, that Jesus wins. And so just having those conversations and giving them the language to fight and to go to the Lord, um, it was, I had to pull in Jake on FaceTime for the Spanish because I couldn't keep up, but it was just a good conversation of, I totally get why that's scary and why you might be worried about that. But what can we do in those moments? Um, who can you turn to? What can you pray? And all things like that. So, It's always interesting. So I, I do a lot of sermons and talks. And Hannah is very competent in um, giving speeches. But planning them together is always much more of a struggle. So we've, we've gotten better. Our first one, like... Katie Fife came yeah. in and was like, y'all are married. <laughs> yeah. You like each other. It was, like, we'd team. been married for like a month, a month or two yeah. at that point, And it was like, oh, this is... This is this was a test. The first time we were planning a talk together and we were fighting like really bad, you came in and yeah. like, you guys are on the same team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Hannah loved these. And so I was like, okay, no questions asked. They're going in right up there. <laughs> but explain yourself. Uh, <laughs> I think part of why I like them so much is I like the picture on the left. <laughs> I'm a very visual person, but that is what I see at school. Like, I see your kids coming to school, and the things of this world are all around them. And I have a lot of kids who don't have parents that are coming to a family night or are asking questions or asking for help. And so I see a lot of kids who don't have somebody fighting for them, like on the left, or on the right, sorry, that side. And... and that's, that's based on 1 Peter 5, 8, which says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Just talking about pornography being one example, there are second graders who have been exposed to pornography. And that's a really hard thing to even here. Um, it's a hard thing to call and tell a parent it happened. It's a really hard thing to call and tell a parent when you know that they're not really going to do anything and they don't really care. And so the weight of our responsibility as their parents to have our shields solid so that we can use them for our own battles, but also for our kids, <laughs> like I see that a lot. I think one thing when we talk about pulling out our shields to kind of protect our kids from from things is how early the need to do it is. I also it, have second graders who have TikTok, their own accounts. And, and that's the reality is, I mean, so you can do what you can do and make what I would say is the wise choice and maybe not give your second grader a TikTok account. But that doesn't mean that other people they interact with aren't going to have them. That doesn't mean they're not going to ride the bus or they're not going to be on a sports team where locker room talk happens like protecting our kids is a wise thing but it doesn't work forever um, at some point they're going to view or interact with something that we don't want them to or and at that point the question is not okay what do I do it's how do I deal how do how are they going to deal with it and how have we helped them deal with it um, this is something that someone shared with me is am I raising my kids just to be good kids or am I raising them to be godly adults and part of being godly you should say that one more time it was a big one okay um am I raising my kids to be good kids or am I raising them to be godly adults 
Good Kids is taking care of them now. It's protecting them. It's keeping them sheltered, keeping them away from everything, helping them make good choices. But being godly adults is playing the long game. It's thinking about, I've got them for, at this point, maybe 15, 16, 17 more years. Maybe it's less than that. How am I going to help equip them so that when they encounter something and I'm not there, they know what to do. They know how to make the right choice. They know how to be discerning. And so discernment is that kind of name of the game. It's deciding what is best. And we need to help them do that. We need to, and this is why kind of being involved and active is important, is because you can use things, the biggest differences you'll help them with in the discernment game is not when you sit down and you lecture them for half an hour about why TikTok and Instagram are evil. That, that's not going to be the best chance. The best chance you're going to have is when you have conversations in the moment. And so you have to be ready for those. You have to be listening for those. You have to be off of your own phone sometimes to be able to have those conversations with, okay, we just interacted with this show and something happened in the show that we disagree with or something happened in the show and we're, we're, we need to have a conversation about why that person made that decision or do we think that's okay? Having those, and there's no formula for it. There's no, okay, sit down and say this, this, and this. It's being an active, involved, intentional parent and being aware of what your kids are intaking. Is that a word? That's, I made it up. Okay. So, yeah. Intaking. Um. <laughs> I think another thing to think about. Ryan says yes. Okay, cool. Um, I think another thing to think about is don't just say don't have TikTok because eventually they're going to be out on their own and then they're going to have TikTok and not know how to navigate that. So one of my the things that I th think is the coolest and some of our friends that have kids that are teenagers is they just jump into that world with them and they're the weird parent who has TikTok and totally doesn't know what they're talking about and asks their kid questions about it and they can enjoy the funny things about it and the the pieces that bring fun and joy to them and then they can also help their kids navigate it because they understand it and so um just modeling how to engage with social media in your own life and, and technology, but then also how are you entering into that with your kids? Kind of leaning into that, that is when we talk about social media really specifically, and we talked about our generation or um, being kind of the first to jump in, that's something we really need to be careful with, is are we kind of being hypocritical? Are we saying stop watching TV, get off your iPad while we sit and send work emails for three hours during at the dinner table. So be an example is a really, really important thing. Kids learn so much more from what we do than what we say, and we know that. But there's also, there's also an interesting aspect of asking why, why things are happening. And we need to do this of ourselves, too. The same reason that a teenage girl works so hard to cultivate her Instagram and make it look perfect and be validated is the same reason that we might put in extra hours at work so that we know that everyone knows that we're the hardest working person there and that we can be relied on. We're both craving validation. We're both spending too much time in screens and we're both not asking why we're doing things and we're both not living our identity in Jesus out. 
Um, be intentional. It's one thing to be like, hey, get off your phone, but give them things to do off their phone. As a youth pastor, one of my biggest gripes is old people who are like kids these days. And right, right, right. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, and yeah, kids don't know as well how to play as much as back in the day. That's true. So teach them. Like if they don't know how to do something, who is going to teach them but us? Give them something to do. Put, and they don't need much encouragement. Once you send them in the direction, they're going to do whatever they're going to do. But play some of the games you used to play. Play board games together as a family. Don't just tell them no, but tell them what to do instead. And then have honest conversations with your kid. Um, this takes time. It takes question asking instead of lecturing. I found in my experience it happens best in a car. Especially There's with, nowhere to go. Yeah, especially with older kids. Um, some of the best conversations I have with middle school boys happen in the car because there's nowhere for them to go. They're stuck with me. But they also don't have to look and make eye contact with me, which is the worst thing for a middle school boy to do. Um, they just can't do it. And there's plenty of things to fidget with. So that's sometimes the best conversations I've had. I mean, it takes real curiosity and real learning. This is something, as, as you get older, recognize that some of the social media rules that your family might make will ostracize your kids. Mm -hmm. And that's okay, it's good, but it's still going to be hard for them. And acknowledge that too. And that kind of goes into, do you want to talk a little bit about the why? You don't, I see that you don't. Well, I had another thought that I was oh, gonna share. Okay. Just like a tangible example, in high school youth group, there's a couple of kids that don't have Snapchat and they like fully acknowledge, yeah, I get left out of a lot of stuff. I don't know, like I get to school and I have no idea what's happening because hours worth of conversations had happened between when I left school and when I'm at school. And as a parent, on, that, on the parent side of things, it's like, yeah, I don't want them to be exposed to those things. I want to protect them. I want to keep them safe. And that's a good thing. But acknowledging that would suck to show up in a group of people that you spend your whole day with and you have no idea what happened in a conversation for eight hours prior to that. And the high school kids we have that don't have Snapchat are not mad at their parents for it because their parents are like, yeah, this really sucks and I'm so sorry, but that is just not what our family does. And they know why. And it's just so cool for them to see like, yep, FOMO, live it every day. I, it's fine. It's just my reality. And they just roll with it. And it's awesome. Um, so just acknowledging that that is a loss for them and that that is hard. I think part of that honest conversation also has to come into asking why your kids do things. Oh, that's what you mean by the why. Yeah, now I'm with you. Um, <laughs> we're on the same page, don't worry about it. Um, but human beings are by and large rational beings. Even when we're being illogical, we're still operating by some set of rules. We're still operating out of some perceived or real need. Yes. Okay. So if we think about behavior as a form of communication, I say this literally all day long, um, how kids behave, they're trying to communicate something. So I'm going to give an example of one of our kids without naming them. Um, but they were, they've experienced a lot of trauma. So we see a lot of behaviors based on the traumas they've experienced. So one of the things that one of our kids was doing was kissing their siblings a lot and starting to show some sexualized behaviors. And so we were like, oh my gosh, we were trained for this. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Like freaking out. And then I think Jake just looked at me like, well, wait, 
what is he trying to communicate? And realizing we weren't fulfilling that physical love need the way we should have been. And so now every morning it's good morning kisses, good morning hugs, really filling up that tank of what is needed for that kid, which is physical love and attention. And I, I think one thing that's really hard for some people to grasp about that is he was still in trouble for what still in trouble for what he did. He still knows, I mean, arguably even more so now, that that was wrong, but acknowledging motivation doesn't remove guilt. It just helps you figure out how do we stop this in the future? How do I handle this? If I'm missing this element, how can I step in and how can I help them either realize this need is not a need or realize the correct way to fill that need. And how to speak up for themselves. And now it's, Mama, can I have a kiss? Mama, can I have a hug? Um, And it's just cool to see, I say it all the time, behavior is a form of communication. And now we were able to see what he was trying to communicate and then able to problem solve to help him learn from those behavior choices. And social media is, is just a form of behavior sometimes. It's how we act out. It's how we interact with the world. What are we chasing? What are we pursuing? And what is that revealing about who we are? Our conversations we should definitely have with our kids. So we wanted to go over just practically some really quick social media tips. Um, And again, this is really interesting. There's some of you who don't have a kid over the age of five. There's some of you who have teenagers. Um, And so I'm not going to be able to adequately convey information about all of them. But the more aware you are and the more early prepared you are, the better you are. One of them is Twitch. That one is Twitch, um, which is a really popular streaming site for people who play video games. That's the primary use of it. Um, so people play video games, and um, Ninja is a name you might have heard, um, but probably not. Um, and people stream themselves watching video games. They do a really good job of locking down sexualized behavior on this, but the comment section is like the comment section from any place where a bunch of grown men who play video games far too much would be. Discord is also connected to the video game world. That's why these are together. Um, and this, there's a lot of other uses for it, but video games is where a lot of it. There's a lot of vulgar language. There's a lot of porn links being shared. And overall, it tends to have a very low view of women. Um, it's just a very negative space in that area. Um, which, which one are we going to next? Let's go to Disney+. Plus. Um, we'll just work our way up. Yeah, so Disney Plus, this you could loop, loop Hulu in there. You could leave um, Netflix. Netflix, all of those. I think one thing that we don't think about often is just kind of the worldview that's being portrayed in a lot of movies. I mean, the model of every Disney movie I watched growing up was Follow Your Heart, but it turns out that our heart is desperately wicked and deceitful, of all, deceitful above all things. So sometimes what our heart wants is not what's best, um, especially when we're younger. I think as the the biggest, these next two are the ones that I would say would be most aware of what how your kids are interacting with these two things is YouTube and TikTok. YouTube, yeah. most. Um, I see a lot of kids exposed to a lot of things on YouTube. And so that's one of the biggest things that goes wrong with YouTube. 
YouTube has a kids section. Um, you have to specifically delineate that your content is for kids. And that is ideally a good thing, that your kids are just exposed to kids' content for some reason without monetary gain just because the world is trash. Um, there are people who make content that appears for children, but is, it, and it starts out super normal, um, superhero costumes and all sorts of things, and it gets weird and perverse very quickly. And the problem with YouTube's algorithm, algorithm is it can get looped in there very easily. So you're watching, your kid's watching Paw Patrol one minute, no problem. He's watching a Spider Hero, Sp Spider Hero, Spider Man video the next minute, and then a weird video slips, slips in because it's somewhat related. And so, I mean, part of it comes down to just not trusting YouTube. I mean, it might be fine for that video you're on, but the next one is not guaranteed. And so just being aware there. And I think another thing with YouTube that is hard is a lot of kids want to be a YouTuber or they want to have their own YouTube channel. And so then that comes in the mentality of what can I do to be famous on YouTube or what can, how can I perform best? I also have a lot of kiddos that have their own YouTube channels and um, that language and how many views they have and how many subscribers they have really starts to filter in. And YouTube is one of the first places I see that start to happen. It uh, happens later like in Instagram and other social <coughs> media, but starts a lot of times. Yeah, because YouTube. I mean, age of access, Disney Plus, YouTube are going to be very young, whereas some of these other ones aren't concerns until later. Um, TikTok is... Some of the biggest concerns there is it is absolutely full of inappropriate material, aggressively sexual, and there are no controls or safety settings. You cannot control what shows up next. You just can't. It can be anything. And sometimes that's interesting because you get a random video that teaches you something about heavy hauling trucking, which is something you always wanted to learn about but never knew. But it can also be horrible. And if you're a young boy who's got a lot of questions, then... It's not a good place to be. It is the first place that a lot of kids first view pornography or, yeah, I, I, it's fair to call it pornography. It's not yeah. as hardcore as other things, but it wouldn't be allowed on TV. You know, talk about Snapchat. Yeah. <clears throat> so Snapchat um, is primarily a picture messaging app where you send a picture, you can put a caption on it, and the idea is that the person you're sending it to can see it for like, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 seconds, and then the picture disappears. Um, fun fact, pictures don't disappear. Um, when I worked in a middle school, we had um, campus security officers, sorry, um, come and talk with our students about like the contract that you sign when you download Snapchat and um, just the safety and what you're saying yes to. Um, and you're saying yes to Snapchat storing every photo and chat you ever do. And um, kids usually don't know that that's what's happening. So a lot of things that are super inappropriate are shared on Snapchat. Um, I would say nine out of 10 bullying issues or um, friend issues that I dealt with when I was a middle school counselor started on Snapchat. Um, now uh, in second through fourth grade, I don't see as much Snapchat, but I see a lot of kids who talk about their parents snapping. So, um, like my mom sent a picture to my grandma on Snapchat, which is great. Like, that's a great thing to do. And um, I think that's a great way to share what your family's doing. Um, 
but just thinking about how they're like, I even see this with our own kids. They'll want us to retake a picture because they don't like how they look in the picture. And so what kind of a mentality are we helping them form as we use and interact with those? Uh, the other thing that happens a lot on Snapchat is requesting or sending nudes. And that is something. And that's what doesn't go away is what I was saying. Yeah. And that, that's something that I was shocked at what kids, and we, we had a very frank conversation in middle school youth group, I think, last year. And, I mean, the eighth graders talking about it was sad, but not surprising. But the fifth and sixth graders having stories about it was really, really depressing. And I don't know the statistics, but I would guess that at some point, just about every girl in high school, by the time she gets to high school, has been asked to send nudes on Snapchat if she has it. I'd be willing to say within 5% that that's true. Yeah. The last one, obviously Instagram. Y'all know of this one. Um, and You'll notice we did not include Facebook. The young people do not like Facebook. <laughs> it is out. Yeah, it's done. Uh, their grandparents are now on Facebook. So, yeah, if, if grandma's on there, then I don't need to be. He's <laughs> the theory. This, this one is just as much of a problem for some of us as it is for our kids, maybe even more so. But just comparison of Was ourselves. That a personal? I said nothing. No. Um, Instagram has cost my bank account, but that's not <laughs> up here. Um, those targeted ads do get us. But comparison to, of ourselves, what our lives look like, how great our family vacations were, how good we look in this swimsuit. For kids especially, there's a lot of location and privacy concerns. You can set your Snapchat to be always on. And so anybody can just pull up their, or their Instagram and see where you're at. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really That's also a thing on Snapchat. Yeah. You want to make, if your kids have Snapchat, they can have a map where their little emoji can be seen. And so you can tell everywhere they yep. go on the map on Snapchat. Yeah. So yeah. it's another pro tip. Um, with Instagram and Snapchat as well, it's also really easy to add strangers. I was talking to my cousin who has an interesting life, but uh, she was 14 at the time. And she had like three or four friends from Chicago that, she had never met, didn't know except on the internet, and she was planning to visit them. We've um, also had youth group kids multiple times, multiple years, that have boyfriends or girlfriends on Instagram that they've never met, um, that live in different states, and they it's talk actually, to them. Sometimes it's more comforting when they live in different states as yeah, opposed to, valid. oh, they live in Perry. Oh, well, that's great. That's close. Just yeah. being aware of who they're connecting with. Katie's given me the, the stare down. It's clearly a sign that I know. But we will finish. We went a um, little later than we intended. Um, but if you have questions or anything, we're always open to talk about this. It's literally what I do for a living. Um, and <laughs> I think the big thing that I want to close on, and then Jake can keep talking, is the world we live in is a very digital world, but your kids are not alone in that, and they have you, and the fact that they have you is a really great blessing, and it's a really heavy responsibility. But the fact that you're here and the fact that you're involved in your kids' lives is huge. Fight for those kids. Fight for them early and often. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you. Um, but Lord, we ask you for help with this heavy, heavy burden, this responsibility we have to raise um, the young people that you've given us as followers of you. Lord, we pray that you would help us. You would give us grace. You would give us wisdom. You would give us the fortitude and the courage to do what needs to be done, to make hard choices. Give us the wisdom 
and the eyes to see what we need to see and hear what we need to hear. Um, and Lord, just give us your love first and foremost so that we can love these kids and show them your love, Lord. Pray this in your name. Amen.